once we have had the industry-wide adoption of artificial intelligence and machine learning, which we're seeing now. And if you don't adopt that solution, you're going to get left behind, in my opinion. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, digital transformation, industry 4.0, or maybe I should say industry 4.5. So many buzzwords, so much emerging technology, and for many, so much overwhelm. Today, I'm talking with someone who's right in the middle of it all. Justin Goldston, PhD, is a professor of project and supply chain management at Penn State University, where he works closely with the Penn State Sustainability Institute to blend technology into organizational sustainability efforts. Dr. Goldston has over 20 years of experience working with organizations worldwide on business performance improvement, organizational change, and enterprise-wide digital transformation initiatives. He's the author of multiple peer-reviewed journal articles on supply chain management and emerging technologies of critical success factors in ERP implementations and is a five-time TEDx speaker. Dr. Goldston has led and assisted in the development of supply chain management, sustainability, and business analytics programs at Georgetown University, Texas A&M University, the IUBH University of Applied Sciences in Germany, and North Carolina Wesleyan College. He's also an executive on the International Standards Board at the International Supply Chain Education Alliance and has evaluated doctoral programs for the Department of Higher Education while serving on the Management Advisory Board at various higher education institutions. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Joe. Well, you've got quite the, the resume there, I must say. So before we get into it, I was hoping you could tell our listeners a little bit about your journey and how you wound up inside this world of supply chain management. So I would say that a lot of people, I may be an exception, where a lot of people within the supply chain discipline said that they didn't have any formal education within supply chain management. I was a computer science major my first, my first semester at North Carolina a and I was on a baseball scholarship, and I've, I've told this story before. And the second semester we had, we would travel out of town. So we had mandatory computer labs on, on Wednesdays. So I went, to the, I went to the dean of the program and said, we, we travel for baseball on Wednesdays. I can't I have these computer labs. He said, well, make a choice between baseball or computer science. I said, you're not paying for my scholarship, so I'm out. Yeah, so one of my teammates was in the supply chain program at North Carolina A&T, and we would get additional scholarship money on top of our baseball scholarship. So as a broke college student, absolutely. So as I, as I began in the actual course content focused on supply chain management, you know, I said, this stuff sounds familiar. You know, and because because my my father was a plant manager, so I used to I used to work work in the factory, count inventory, things like that. You know, so I get it, so I could dig it. <laughs> so 
So I continue, I continue on and the rest is history from a supply chain management perspective. I went on to be a management consultant, primarily working with manufacturers and distributors, and then went to the Penn State University to, to get my master's in supply chain. And I've been loving every minute of it since then. That's great. Well, for those who are listening here, we're recording this during the final weeks of 2020, and it's been quite the year for all of us. And thank one God, <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? <laughs> Ready to, to just kind of charge forward into the new year. Not that the you know December to January is you know it's more symbolic than anything, but right, hey, we're, right. we're going in the right direction, <laughs> hopefully, right? So, but for for someone working smack in the middle of supply chain management, I imagine you've seen some disruptions this year that you probably. Couldn't have seen coming necessarily, or, or maybe you could have if you're some kind of profit. But you know, it's it's been a wild year on that front too. I know from working with you know so many manufacturers, and so I'm I'm just kind of curious. Could you speak to what you've observed during 2020 and how it's going to change things for manufacturers as we, you know, fingers crossed, move into a post-COVID world sometime in this new year? I want to keep it on a positive note. <laughs> We've had a lot of negativity with the pandemic. I've been speaking with leaders of organizations. I've been speaking with researchers within higher education ever since March. And I first wanted to start off by saying that I thank all the service members for their service, you know, within the healthcare industry, within the supply chain industry, you know, because there's a lot of people behind the scenes that have been doing a lot of amazing things. So we've seen some good things come out of this. We have seen people coming together. We have seen a lot of empathy, which is good. But my hope is that we can continue with all of this once we emerge out of this pandemic. Pre-COVID, we had a lack of trust among business partners within business, not just supply chain, just in business in general. You know, and, and this pandemic has brought everyone together. And we've seen some good things come out of this. We have seen some, some good opportunities come out of this. From a technological perspective, we have seen the acceleration of these emerging technologies in terms of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and things like that, where artificial intelligence and machine learning has had a positive impact on finding, you know, on finding the vaccine, which is being distributed <laughs> from a supply chain perspective as we speak. So I've seen some good things come out of this, and I hope that, I hope that we can continue with these amazing things going into 2021. But I am, I am glad 2020 is over because <laughs> it is symbolic. I think we all are. I think we all are. <laughs> well, uh, Justin, I was, I was listening to you speak recently on another podcast and the host asked you a question related to Industry 4.0. I don't even remember exactly what she, she had asked you, but you kind of immediately jumped in and commented that, you know, Industry 4.0 is now Industry 4.5. And mm -hmm. I'm curious if you could kind of unpack that statement for us and, and talk about what, what that means as we go to Industry 4.5. <laughs> I've been getting that question. So again, another, <laughs> another, another positive thing to, to, to the pandemic is I've been invited to a number of international conferences, given that these international conferences are now virtual. And I have been talking about Industry 4.5 often, and I've been getting a lot of questions on it. But my reasoning, my justification is that Industry 4.0 was introduced, the term Industry 4.0, the vision of Industry 4.0 was introduced in Germany about 10 years ago, right? We were talking about smart factories. We were talking about the Internet of Things. But we, had, we did not have any mention of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and blockchain. 
Now, people people argue that blockchain is not is not going to take off in the industry. And I would say it's not going to take off in the next three or four years, but it's on the horizon. And it's on the horizon because once we have had the industry wide adoption of artificial intelligence and machine learning, which we're seeing now. And if you don't adopt that solution, you're going to get left behind, in my opinion. Right. Because we have seen the positive impacts to this solution. We are addressing the cybersecurity concerns right now. We are addressing the bias right now. We are addressing the trust right now. So we're continuing to improve the solution. But my argument was that we had no, no mention of these technologies that are going to transform the industry. We said that IoT transformed the industry. I think that artificial intelligence is going to be bigger than this whole, this, this IOT phenomenon, in my opinion. So that's why I refer to the term of industry 4.5 instead of industry 4.0. Now that makes sense. Kind of an, an evolution and, and more technology getting layered on. I didn't go, go to five. I didn't go to industry 4.5.0. Okay? Yeah, so, we'll, so, we'll so. save that for a few <laughs> more was, years, maybe. That was a stretch. <laughs> that would be a stretch. Yeah. 4.5. Yeah. All right. No, I like that. <laughs> Well, I know that you're, you're filled with knowledge in the, in the realms of automation, robotics, AI, machine learning, blockchain, like this is kind of your world. And, and you know, just as, as all of these technologies continue to emerge and evolve and create opportunity, they also create fear for many about what will happen to jobs. And I think there's sometimes a, a misconception about m- maybe what it's going to do to the workforce in some ways, at least. And so I'm just kind of curious, what's your perspective on how the workforce will be impacted, or maybe I should say continue to be impacted as these technologies become more and more advanced and more and more you know, prominent in, in the manufacturing industry? I say often in, in my conference presentations that AI is truly augmented intelligence. What I mean by that is, is that you're around my age. So, so people, people my age, I always say that I always tell them that, you know, when we talk about AI, we're not talking about Will Smith and iRobot. <laughs> we're years away from that, you know, but so we're not going to, in the, in the, in the coming years, we're not going to have robots making their own decisions. You still need humans to program these AI solutions, right? We still don't have the trust of these solutions where we still have to confirm. They're, they're only, AI is only a tool. AI is only a tool. I'll say it one more time. AI is only a tool. That's all it is, right? To assist us into decision-making for manufacturing organizations. So that's why I refer to it as augmented intelligence, Machine learning is only a tool. It will only assist us in making those managerial decisions. You also have business process automation, which is going to assist us in moving away from those automated, repetitive, monotonous tasks, right? So when it it comes from a workforce perspective, because a large majority of the workforce is going to retire in the next next few years, organizations will be, will, we're, are going to have a difficult time finding employees that want to work these labor intensive jobs. You know, the students graduating high school, the students graduating college, they don't want to work in a factory. They want the automation. So because of that workforce gap, organizations are going to have to depend on business process automation, robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, machine learning, to perform the task that's currently being done by workers. So one thing I always talk about is that the workers have to embrace this technology. 
it's going to make their jobs easier and it's going to create more opportunity, opportunities for them. Perfect example. I did a panel discussion with, uh, with an executive uh, from, an, from the insurance industry. And he said those individuals who used to work, walk on the roofs of the Home Depots and Lowe's to insure those buildings, he said literally, literally risking their lives, they now fly drones because drones are using technology to you know, see the insurability of those buildings. They were trained to be drone pilots and now they're being paid more. He said we didn't fire a single person. People who are rocking on those roofs, they're making more money. And, and they're now, safer, and now, right? They're safer. They're happier they're, probably in a lot of ways. And they're safer. And because drone, because there's a need for drone pilots, they have to pay them more so they stay. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that's, it's an interesting perspective. I've, I've had this conversation with a number of people. I'm thinking of even a few on this podcast. I had Tracy Hansen of Pro Glove. I had... Gary Kanarska, who's the president of the American Welding Society. And we got into the, these topics in both of those conversations. And I think that the, there's this fear out there that you, know, you see new technology coming and people immediately think, I'm going to get replaced by technology or a robot. And I, I think what the, the pattern that I seem to be seeing and hearing from people is that it's, it's not that people are being replaced, but it's that their roles are, are being shifted and efficiencies yes. are being created. You know, Gary Kanarska at, at um, American Welding Society talked a lot about the sort of the, the skilled labor gap that is, is coming. And you just hit on it too. People are retiring. Mm-hmm. Young people entering the workforce are, they don't want to do the dirty jobs. And so what are we going to do? Somebody's, the, the work has to get done, right? So you know, that, that's kind of, it seems to be a pattern that of, of things I'm hearing that we should be embracing this technology and figuring out how to integrate it as opposed to being scared of it and worrying that it's going to take jobs. And what, what's your response to that? I think it's, it's all about embracing the technology because it's here. If you don't embrace it, I said in the TED talk, you know, whenever I'm in one of my TED talks where, you know, I, I talked about MySpace. And I, I tell people in the industry, you know, people who remember MySpace, I said, don't get MySpace just by being terrified and afraid of technology. Don't get MySpace. Don't get Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, don't get Redbox. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I mean, you know, this applies anywhere. Like, but no, nobody's riding around in, in carriages being pulled by horses on, on the street right. these days or, or communicating via typewriters, right? It's, the technology is here. So, right. so we need to just, to, to, we need to own it and, and figure out how to, how to use it to our advantage, right? People will argue because they'll call out the two or three breaches or two or three, two or three situations where AI failed, but they don't, they don't call out the thousands of, of successes. They don't call out the, the, the positive impacts it had on, on the pandemic. You know, it takes years to even find a viable solution, a viable, you know, solution for these things. And they found it in what months, you know? So I think that it's going to change the world. And like, like I said before, I can't say it enough that it's here. It's here. We have, to, we have to embrace it. We have to find a way to democratize this solution. We have to find a way to democratize AI. We have to find a way to continue to use AI for good. Because we've seen with technology, people always try to find malicious ways to leverage to use technology. We've seen it in AI. So we just have to kind of have those task force in place. We have to cybersecurity is even more important right now, you know, so 
that's just one thing we have to look out for from a, especially from a manufacturing perspective. All good points. Well, Justin, for someone who doesn't have the expertise or knowledge to implement some of these technologies you've been touching on today, how do they get started? What are initial steps? Where do they go for information? I would say before you even consider these solutions, these emerging technologies, in most cases, I always tell people to check your data. Check your data because because all of this, the all of these technologies depend on the data. You know, if your if your data is not accurate, your, your that implementation is not going to be successful. So step number one is get your house in order. <laughs> How, get, what I mean by getting your house in order, check your data, ensure your ensure your data is clean, cleanse your data, and then you can then the next step is to understand your current state digital transformation maturity. Are you moving from Excel to AI? Are you moving from QuickBooks to AI? If so, I wouldn't, <laughs> I'd suggest we, we take some baby steps, you know? So you have to assess what your AI maturity or what your digital transformation maturity would be and then create a AI roadmap, if you will, or a digital transformation roadmap. And that's, that's the initial steps. Once you, once you identify what that future state vision is going to be, then you get the education on that solution. It may be from Excel to an ERP application. It may be QuickBooks to an ERP application. It may be, okay, I'm going to integrate AI into my ERP application. Now, most of, most of the larger software providers, the N4s, the SAPs, the Oracles have, have already started to integrate AI into their base um, ERP solutions, and we're only going to see more of it emerging. They're acquiring these artificial intelligence organizations, and they're including it within their base, their base solutions, because that's kind of the only way they're going to be able to compete in the future. Let's face it. So it's, it's here, and I think that some of, some of your existing solutions that you currently have can have these AI solutions already integrated if you're in if you're in that ARP maturity within your current organization. Are there any resources you'd recommend? I always try to make this actionable for people. You know, getting off this call, saying, "All right," I, or off of this, listening to this podcast, and thinking, "I need to start learning more about this." At least educating myself. Anywhere you would point them? YouTube University. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube is an amazing starting point. I actually, so some of the conferences I spoke at have already uploaded and published some of my presentations on YouTube. There are a number of MIT presentations that are on YouTube. There are a number of Wharton presentations that are on, on YouTube of presentation. And surprisingly, they don't get many views. It's not entertainment, it's education. So they don't get many views, but they are, they are absolutely amazing. So for education purposes. Great. Well, that's good to know. Well, Justin, is there anything I didn't ask you about today that you'd like to touch on or add to this conversation? So I just would like to, to thank everyone for listening. I do want to let you know that, that I do have two books coming out. So one, one is going to be artificial intelligence focused on uh, sustainable practices. So if you've heard of the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals, I'm writing a book to discuss how we can leverage artificial intelligence to address all 17 sustainability development goals. That should be that will be coming out around the August time frame as well as sustainable project management where we're going to we're going to talk about project management but for organizations that have that are implementing sustainable practices. 
So maybe we could have another episode on that discussion. <laughs> yeah, I like it. No, that's, that's really exciting. Not one book, but two books on the horizon. Probably not too many people can say that's the case. So congrats yes. on what Very excited, very excited. We'll, we'll keep, keep our eye out for that. Well, great. Justin, this was a really good conversation. I appreciate you doing this. Can you tell our audience the best way to get in touch with you or more, learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, so you can follow me on, on LinkedIn, Justin Golston. The best place to find me, I often, I often post topics and articles in the area of sustainability, artificial intelligence, supply chain management, among other things, uh, social responsibility. So, so please connect with me. I'm always open and willing to have a discussion. Perfect. Well, Justin, thanks again for taking the time to do this today. And for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>